0: All right, you guys, we're here with a QA. and I love getting your questions on Instagram. It's really fun. We don't get to be on Instagram anymore, so hearing from you on Instagram is really, really fun. And I just love to hear what you guys are thinking, and today you guys get to hear what we're thinking about what you're thinking. So anyways, if you enjoy this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel or subscribe wherever you're listening. Or just take a screenshot of an episode that's your favorite and share it in your stories. That's really fun for us to see who's watching and listening. And it's just another way for us to connect and hear from you guys. So without further ado, let's jump into today's questions.
1: The Now That We're A Family Uh, This is going to be fun, Katie, because I have not given you... I've not prepped you for any of the questions I'm going to be asking you. And you haven't prepped me for the questions you're asking me?
0: No, I haven't.
1: So you can, and there are some wrong answers to these too, just so you know.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. So. Oh, really? Is there a grade at the end?
1: I don't think I'm going to give the grade. Our listeners are going to be the ones <laughs> doing the grading here. Uh, I'm going to start. Is that all right?
0: Okay. Yeah. Dive okay. in.
1: Catherine Joy, what are your thoughts on Christian romance novels?
0: Oh, I have big thoughts about this. This is a good one. Uh, So some advice that my aunt gave to me at my 13th birthday was, I wish that I had read less Christian romance novels. And that really stuck out to me. You know, I was at a very formative age. My mom at that point hadn't let, let me read any Christian romance novels. I just like, you know, picked up picked him up at my grandma's house and like would read the back cover and just see, you know, what kind of happens. And the reason my aunt said that was she felt like it gave her um, faulty expectations of marriage, what marriage should look like, what romance should look like, and put a lot of pressure on her husband. So I decided to take her word for it. And even when uh, I was old enough to make my own reading decisions, I just totally stayed away from Christian romance novels. Um, And I'm really, really glad I did. You know, it's writing your own romance with your spouse is a beautiful thing. And the fewer expectations you can have going into marriage that aren't based in reality, I think the better. Like, I wouldn't say lower your expectations. I had very high expectations for marriage, and I still do. And I have high expectations for romance and the joy that can be had in marriage. But it's all... um, created in this world and is not kind of like some fantasiful description of what that looks like I hadn't had years of building up those expectations so that said like yeah okay I did the one novel that I did read okay here we go uh we had been married for a few years you know all the hype about redeeming love I read that mm. you could see what my thoughts are on my Instagram story bubble <laughs>
1: Do you have a highlight about this?
0: I have a highlight about it. I felt so passionately about that book. And it brought up a lot of discussion um, from women who really struggled reading that book and then women who it really changed their lives. And they did feel so much closer to God reading that book. So obviously, I'm not saying that Francine Rivers novels can't impact you in a healthy way, but I think we have to be really careful recommending even a Christian romance novel because you don't know where the reader's coming from and what their susceptibilities are, what their temptation level is, and I really think a lot of even Christian romance is just kind of dialed back erotica, which I think is inappropriate for a woman to be reading.
1: Wow there are your thoughts. Good job keeping it succinct too. I don't know if I
0: kept it succinct. I think
1: that was pretty succinct to the point. Okay.
0: That's good. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, okay, this was from a woman, but she said, what is your marriage advice when a wife isn't into sex?
1: You're asking me this? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Boy, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. You've never not been into sex that I know of, unless you're a really good actor, you know? Uh, No, but I think, so what, how am I supposed to answer this? Like what I would tell the husband?
0: Maybe. Yeah, sure. Answer however you want.
1: Boy, I don't know. It's crazy to me how uh, practical some things are that can enhance uh, physical intimacy, when I think of the mood, you know, you think of trying to eliminate as much stress in your wife's life um, as possible. So whether that's a cluttery house, you know, dirty dishes, um, the kids not being taken care. I mean, you're always taking care of our kids, but basically.
0: If they're like more draining than yes. usual or, you know. So try, like trying
1: that. to take them off your hands when I can to give you time to to rest or recuperate. Even sometimes. You know, if I'm if I'm really thinking ahead, you know. No, <laughs> no I think trying to be able to have a realistic um, perspective on what's going on in the home. Being like, okay, this is a good night for me to take the kids sooner. You go, you can shower, you can take a bath, you can go to your room and read. You can even go away to a coffee shop. Um, and then, so that you just start feeling like you've got some time to yourself. Because this is another thing, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom. And... Whether or not your love language is physical touch or it's low or high on the priority list, if you've been, like, touched all day by little toddlers, you know, and they've got buggery hands and they've got food on their faces, you, and you adore your children, like, oh, you yeah. love them, but you still get a little bit worn out of being touched by Yeah, them. but,
0: I mean, I will say for me, the way the kids you know, climb all over me. And when you touch me, it feels very Well, different. I would hope so. I would <laughs> like, hope I don't so. have that association. <laughs> like, I've heard this from a lot of moms, like, oh, I just get touched out. And I'm like, I, ca- I can't personally really relate to that because there's such a huge difference to me when my kids are like, you know, sticky and mm-hmm. and, and touching me. Because I'm not really a physical touch person.
1: Yes. You know, but I yes. appreciate
0: physical intimacy.
1: Yeah. So I think so, that... So
0: yeah, you're, you're really thoughtful and loving me all the time and connecting with me emotionally all the time um outside of just those uh times of physical intimacy
1: yeah and then uh, you can tell me whether or not this is helpful but things that seem to be helpful are um the environment of our bedroom or the, where wherever you know we want the magic to happen lighting candles putting on music personal hygiene you know have i showered recently do i smell good I think stuff like that can really help, you know, streamline the process and make it a far more enjoyable um, experience for, for everybody involved.
0: Yeah, that's good. Okay. <laughs> that's great. Those are good things. <laughs> I would say to a wife that's saying marriage advice for a wife that isn't into sex, it's not an option to not be into sex in marriage. Marriage is something that your marriage needs. It's, no, it's,
1: sex is something. Sex, your marriage, yeah, yeah, sex
0: is something your marriage needs. You need it. Your husband needs it. It's a form of intimacy and becoming one that you can only have in this relationship. And so, I would just challenge the thinking on that—that that, um, maybe that assumption that oh, I'm just not into it—and be like, okay, how do you get yourself into it? You need. That's that's not on your husband. That's on you to start working on. Getting to that place where you can enjoy this act so that your husband can enjoy it and you guys can enjoy this mutually. It's important for your children. It's important for your health. It's important for the longevity of your relationship. So, um, we have talked about on a podcast, we'll link down below when I was pregnant with our last baby. That was really difficult for us. It was the first time I really struggled. Um, You know, I say in air quotes, being into sex at a very low libido during that time. And we kind of talk through what are some things that we tried and how we navigated that season together. Because I'm not saying that there aren't those seasons where you just physically aren't enjoying it that much or wanting it or craving it or something like that. But I wouldn't put that, um, I wouldn't repeat that to yourself as checking a box maybe. I'm just not into this. This just isn't my thing. It's like, okay, well, that's an area that is really worth growing in and working for, I would say.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a defining... Um, feature of marriage yeah. you know it's it's there are other there are aspects of our marriage that we can experience with outside relationships as far as friendship and partnership and camaraderie mm-hmm. <clears throat> and like my admission but the sex is the sex <laughs> <laughs> the sex is reserved exclusively for the christian for the marriage mm-hmm. and for the marriage bed and so to not invest and pursue that defining factor seems contrary to what marriage is.
0: Yeah. So so don't feel bad if you're there, but I definitely wouldn't just accept that. I'd yeah. work to move into a place where that's no longer true.
1: Nice. Okay. Um, do you have... I'm going to ask you a question now. Okay. Thanks. Uh, do you have... I see why you asked that question. You wanted to answer it. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. I'm going to try to say well, all my I words. Well, I thought it
0: was a good question and it should come up.
1: Okay. Katie, do you have any role models outside of your parents? Who and why?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, I'm really grateful for that. Obviously, we'll start with Elisha's parents. <laughs> They're big role models for me.
1: Yeah. Well, this question was asked to both of us and uh-huh. they just said your guys' parents, like besides. Okay, our okay So basically it doesn't um, count. And
0: then I can go into grandparents, right? And actually, um it's really sad, but my grandma just passed away. Uh, but her and my grandpa and their relationship has been a huge encouragement to me for years and years and years. And just the way that they've loved each other and been able to pour out to their eight kids. And then, you know, all the in-laws and their 40 some odd grandchildren and all that. And so, um, obviously it's really heartbreaking to see that separation of the union with my grandma moving to heaven and uh grandpa still here on earth, but their relationship has been, you know, you want to have a relationship where when your spouse leaves this earth, you hurt so badly, mm. you know? Yes. Um, so anyways, they've been, they've been big role models to me. And then a lot of my aunts and uncles relationships, um, your siblings relationships, I think moving outside of family, um, there are role models. Let's see. Were these just role models in general?
1: Yeah. Just, do you have any role models And it? They kind of specified outside of family. So, yeah.
0: yeah. So like Emma's for mama, I would say she's a role model to me. Jody Maccabee is a role model to me. Um, Lisa from Farmhouse on Boone is a role model to me. These are all women I have not met in person. I've had the luxury and the benefit of being able to interview them and ask them questions that I want to know. But um, just from afar, the way that they love their lives and their faithfulness and their testimonies really impact me, um, regardless of whether we live in the same town or not. So I would say uh, those are three women that are further ahead in life that I really look up to. Um.
1: Hey everyone, I wanna take a quick moment to tell you about our online music academy called VoteburgMusicAcademy.com. Katie and I actually started this online music academy seven years ago, and over that time, we've been able to see thousands of students go through our courses and learn how to play the guitar, the mandolin, the fiddle, the piano, the ukulele, and bring music into their home. And we really curated these lessons so that you're able to learn with your child or you're able to learn by yourself and then bring music into your home and play with your kiddos we even have it so that you can you know subscribe to one course and have three of your kids take the same course so it's really cost effective and you're able to go at your own pace and bring music into your home go to vopper and check this out Kate. Okay, listen up this is where it gets really good if you enter the coupon code youtube at checkout you will get 10% off each month's payment it's a subscription it's a reoccurring payment so if you put that code in then it's 10% off each month so I mean that can really add up over time so bring some music into your family's home go over to vopergmusicacademy.com. I'll link up below and you guys put in that coupon code and go learn how to play some piano, guitar, fiddle, mandolin, ukulele, your choice <laughs>
0: I don't know there's a long list of women I guess yeah. I read and yeah I and think I've something that's from, yeah know?
1: and I think that something you've done a really good job of is your dad I think just talked about this in a video that he he made for their upcoming marriage course which I'm excited about but he talked about the different role models and mentors and I think he broke them down to three categories and I don't know if I can remember them completely but One is like, I don't know what he called it, but it's like a topic mentor, like a mentor or a role model for a specific topic. So that can be in the area of health, it can be in the area of finance or organization, you know, or budgeting. And -hmm. I think that this has been a key theme in our life since we've been married, where we've found different people that we could look to as an inspiration or as a role model in a specific area of life, knowing you've got this filter sometimes if they're not a Christian, that they are not going to be looking at finance, or health through this biblical perspective, through a Christian lens. But you can still take so many tidbits and take a ton of insight from them, especially because the majority of—actually, I might even say all of the health advice I've heard from Christian people is pretty sub subpar. You know, it's like, it's not good. There's like, not good— yeah,
0: Those aren't the first voices I go to.
1: Not at all. Yeah, it's just kind of uninspiring. It's not real— it's just not real great. And you, and you might be able to say the same thing with finance or business. Um, and so I think being Christians and knowing we want to thrive in those things, I think we can be really creative in finding ways to listen to podcasts, to read books from people that don't even have the same fear of God that we have, but have been able to, through just general revelation and general grace that God's given to them. And this is the other thing too, when people don't have a Christian perspective, they will then make an idol out of things like health. Or finance, which oftentimes gives them this deeper insight into it than Christians, rightfully so, should have. Does yes, that make sense? Yes. No, and so you point. can look at it through that perspective of like, wow, they've devoted their life to health. And I don't, I'm getting off track here, but I think this is something that you've done since I've known you is you've oh, always yeah, been you reading uh from ladies and and from men in different areas of life and and finding those those role models. So, anyways, that's like a topic mentor. And then there's like. A holistic mentor, somebody that you really look to as being like, "Wow, I want what they have in life," you know. And there's, I think, like a spiritual mentor. I don't. The, he broke it down to three categories, but I think that's something that you and I have both really aligned in. Yeah, that's really since good. Being married.
0: Yeah, like when I think of like topic mentors, I think of like Felicia Masonheimer for theology. She's been really impactful to me, or Lily Nichols for health. Or yes, I don't know. Yes, what would you say? Who who would you say some of your mentors are?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think going outside of our parents because everybody knows that those were like yeah
0: okay outside premier, of family
1: outside of family yeah. Um, well, I'll go to yeah. Luke and I were just talking about Tim Ferriss. You know, like Tim Ferr I we all of the businesses that are providing for us now were started from reading four hour work week and listening to the Tim Ferriss show. You know, in 2015, yeah. and I'm like, wow, that was somebody that he clearly is a man of the world and he is godless when it comes to his his religion and his faith and his spirituality but the way he he presented business just clicked with me Mm -hmm. and got me outside my comfort zone and so I'm like wow that was somebody that I really looked to it's the same thing I think of when I was really into triathlons you know I think of (laughs) Lionel Sanders right I was I was following Lionel Sanders training uh, videos and anything he would give with advice I would do exactly what he said yeah similarly with jiu-jitsu there's people that I follow now with Jesus that are not Christians, they're not God-fearing people, and then there's people within the realm of theology or within the realm of bi- biblical literacy that I will now follow, you know? And mm-hmm. we've, I mean, our listeners probably know we've been going down the reform pick for a couple of years now, and so I like the King's Hall guys, and I like the way they talk about theology. Um, I like Stories Our Soul Food, you know, Andy Wilson. Um, I really enjoy Joel Webin from Right Response Ministries right now. Um so yeah, all these guys are, are pretty, yeah, I have to say like straight up reformed. There's not a ton of non-reform. I try to like...
0: Remnant Radio. Remnant Radio, I still like? listen to those guys. Yeah. Yes,
1: exactly. I still try to like have those charismatics, you know, give, throw them a bone here and there, you know. No, I'm <laughs> joking. Um, uh, and so, yeah, those are things that I think I really go to for that spiritual and theo- theological um, footing. But yeah, and, and the fact is, is that a lot of times when you look too directly at somebody as being the holistic role model you are putting them on a pedestal sometimes to a, to a fault, you know, yeah. but I, I do look at my dad and your dad as like, wow, I just really, that holistic role model who I'm grateful for. Yeah. And then another thing is too, sorry to keep doing this.
0: No, no, that's good. Is I mean, that, <clears throat> that's why we're here hear your thoughts.
1: Um, I think of Bill Rapier, you know, I think of how I went to such a great length to put myself in his sphere Mm -hmm. And, uh, same with Mr. Pinkerton, you know, where I just looked to him as being this guy that's done really well in business. And so those are people that are in person that I've made a point to just go put myself in an environment with them. Mm -hmm. And I think I learned that good again, going back to Tim Ferriss, it's crazy how Tim Ferriss is such a big guy of just like getting outside your comfort zone and constantly growing, like always being outside of where, you know, you're most comfortable for the sake of growth. And that has been the case with some of these key influences in my life is how uncomfortable it was for me to go put myself in their sphere.
0: Well, that's something I've admired about you for a long time. Ever since we've been married, you've had like a list of people that like you want to get to know. You're like, Mm. I want to be around this person. I want them rubbing off on me. Mm. I like what they stand for. I want to become more like them. And then you really pursue that relationship and and I think everyone that you've communicated to me that you want to get to know thus far, you have. And yeah, it's pretty it's bizarre. It's pretty cool. And then they have influenced your life mm. in a really powerful way and in our life in a very powerful way. So I'm so thankful for you um, taking the effort to do that. I really admire it.
1: Yeah, it's a good thing to ask ask I mean ask yourself. And I kind of want to do this again, even in considering this. Who are you looking to to want to be around, to want to put yourself yeah. kind of in that place of... Um, being discipled on some level. Um, and more times than not, there's somebody probably local that you can put yourself in their sphere, you know, yeah. like you can make an effort to go to their church. You can take them to breakfast. You can usually make contact with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Someone I think of in person is Katie Delahook,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you know, she's a mom of six kiddos They're a little further along than we are. And I just really admire her and the way she runs her home and the way she homeschools and the way she loves her husband so well and is put together, but you don't feel intimidated by it. It's like mm. a really Im- impressive and encouraging, um, yeah, grouping of things. Yes, I guess I don't know. Well, There's, she's so humble, but also so inspirational.
1: Yeah, that's just been a, a huge. You, you've done that since, again forever. Is you're always learning. You're always reading, and that's that makes that makes her it makes it so fun like every time we go on a date or you know we start talking about the day you've always learned something new and that's really really fun
0: brings up good conversations it does yes for both of us okay what are your thoughts on the chosen
1: oh man you and I watched I think only I don't even know if we made it through the whole first season
0: no we didn't
1: and then it's so funny we I don't know why we liked it for like three or four episodes didn't we
0: yeah, we yeah, were like, "This we is did. fun," and
1: then we just, uh, just f- like, forgot about it, or something, and so I have, th- I probably should form an opinion on this, but I am.
0: I feel like it's like a hot topic it going is, around yeah. right now, and it's like we we saw a couple episodes when it first came out.
1: Yes, yes. So what was that? I don't even know when it came out. 2019. I Think we
0: are in the trailer.
1: Okay. Um
0: we were a little behind when it first
1: came out okay I guess. yeah I think we watched everyone it everyone was
0: talking about it and we're like okay we ought to like yes. check this out
1: and so yeah and then it's it's so funny this is something else Luke and I were talking about it's like I've got this knee-jerk reaction to like whenever something's a hot topic I just like don't even go listen to it or look it up does that make sense it's like <laughs> That's I don't
0: want it. yeah when it's I'm like, an individual <laughs> yeah when it's
1: trending I go the opposite way and so I've seen you know so many of the podcasts I do listen to it'll be in the title and I'll like avoid those episodes. Does that make sense? Like, I don't really. So, I literally have no opinion on The Chosen right now. It just hasn't yeah. been a part of our life. And I, I haven't watched it. I haven't listened to reviews. I haven't. Yeah, I still have zero opinion. Okay. <laughs> what yeah, about you? I wondered you? if
0: you'd like looked more into it or whatnot. <laughs> what um, yeah, for me, it's just a personal thing. I don't love depictions of Jesus as far as like, I already have in my mind when I read the scripture, what I picture it all being like, Mm. and I don't love seeing the Bible reenacted. I never have, like as a kid, I just, I don't love it. And so I think that's why I wasn't like eager to go back and watch it, Mm. was I just, I don't know. You have to take some kind of liberty in storytelling and while that can make the story come alive and that's what can make it so impactful, it's also something that I don't love. I yeah. kind of like to stick to exactly what was said and just keep it there. Um, so anyways, that's just like my own personal opinion when it comes to like biblical dramas.
1: Yeah, that makes sense because as you said, you have to take liberties within storytelling. If you're gonna take yeah. a historical uh, narrative and then dramatize that and turn it into something that's ready fit for the screen, Then you are going to take liberties, and scripture is not one of those things you want to be taking liberties with.
0: You want to be real careful. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, really careful.
1: Yeah, so that can definitely be heading in the wrong direction. My turn. Okay. Have you ever disagreed with advice given by the people you've had on the podcast?
0: Why are you smiling at me? Can you think of something that? No, I'm genuinely curious. Oh my goodness! I feel like see this is where I wish I'd like prepped the questions because it's like. I don't know. Yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, We have really, really incredible guests that I feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, we align with before we even have them on the show in on a lot of level, areas. in a lot of areas, yeah. Yeah, exactly. not, not completely. Obviously, we have people on the show that totally contradict each other with some of their belief systems. Right. So, I mean, you can't totally agree with... Both people, um, and and I like that. I like to hear different perspectives on things, and I think it's healthy uh, within the Christian body. Um, that said, I'm thinking of one interview that Elisha did in particular that I did not love. Okay, <laughs> but I'm not gonna say. There you go. Wow. Who it was You'll have it was to tell a me while ago. Here. Um, but I just I didn't I didn't love the interview. Um, and I didn't agree with a lot of the interview. Hmm. But a lot of people love this person, and so we had him on the show, and they're great. They're a great person, but I just didn't align with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Their theology and the way that they, I don't know.
1: Well, I'm excited to hear who this is. Um, (laughs) But I think there was
0: just one person. Like, I don't think anyone I've interviewed I've disagreed with.
1: Yeah, we have thus far had a pretty wide, I would say, array of uh, Christians. Yeah. But But I would also say that they've all been Christians yes at and this that's point the,
0: that's the awesome part
1: yes and we want to this we want this to be a family podcast and i think we want to be able to encourage and equip families and there are people that have different probably theological stances than what we have that i think we've just going back to mentors and role models that we've taken something about what they do with family and we've been like that is awesome the way they mm-hmm. do this in their home the way they do that um with their marriage or or with their children is something that we look to. So I think that we have people like that on where we'll really appreciate the way they speak to parenting or to yeah. marriage. And maybe we wouldn't, you know, want them to write our doctrinal statement, you know, for yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I'm sure yeah. there's
0: like a point here or there where uh, someone would say their opinion on something. And I'm like, I have a little different opinion on that. But it's like, it's not... Oh my goodness! I feel like I need to clarify that for our audience, or you know what yes. I'm saying, like
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think there's you would... other
0: people that might relate with that, and and it might be healthy for them, even if I that's not something I'm going to do in my home, or that's not the advice that I would take, you know.
1: Yes, I think you and I are both learning how to. We don't want to be wishy washy. We don't want to be just kind of like oh, you know, doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> and so we want to be clear on the things that we are clear on. And we want those things to become more and more. Like, I think it's good to grow in clarity on issues, whether you call them primary or secondary tertiary issues. It's like, we want to come to clarity on those things. I'm sure as we do come to clarity, we will be more specific on those things. Even on the podcast podcast. I'm sure it hacks. I'm sure it has over the last three years. I'm sure people that, you know, go back to three years ago would hear us talking with less conviction or certainty on certain issues and, hopefully we've grown in those areas and I I pray that it'll continue to be that way as we grow okay
0: for sure okay um let's see what are some practical ways you let boys get aggression out in a healthy way
1: oh nice they wrestle each other a lot which is great we've got a trampoline and they are out in that trampoline duking it out on a regular basis (laughs) yeah no, not really duking. We don't and we don't want them to strike. We don't do striking. So like not very much kicking and punching, but they wrestle a lot A lot of grappling. Lots um, of wrestling. And so uh, they do that on a regular basis. I wrestle with them. We go to a father-son ministry where we do jujitsu. That's just once a week, but still they love it. Mm-hmm. And, and that also lends to a lot more uh, tr- training and jujitsu and practicing techniques throughout the week because we'll go there, we'll learn a new technique, we'll drill it. And then they want to do it when we go home, you know, on mm-hmm. different days. Um, yeah, and then just overall activity. Those guys just live life hard. They go hard. And I, and I want to facilitate that. You know, they're running and they're jumping. And I don't want to be holding them back as a father. You know, I want them to have self-control. And I want them to know the time and the place. Katie and I certainly don't want boys that are rough and rambunctious when it's not appropriate that are destroying homes and they're being disrespectful. I don't want that at all. I don't want no. my boys running around in church. I don't want my boys running around in restaurants and they so They aren't
0: they aren't aggressive or I would say in the house. Period. Yes. Period. Like, yeah. I don't unless you're you're like working with them on jujitsu, like they're outside wrestling or they're outside playing. And then we walk multiple times a day.
1: Yeah. Or they're I...
0: on bikes or scooters or rollerblades or going to the park and doing the monkey bars and the slides. Yes. And,
1: exactly jumping off everything. And like mm-hmm. you said, yeah, we, uh, I mean, people might think we've got like an uptight in home. Cause like we do not, there's no jumping on the couches in our mm-hmm. house. We don't let them, you know, go flying on the beds or jumping down the stairs. Um, just cause we, for your and I's preference, it's like, we, we just want a more restful home inside. You don't
0: yell. You don't run through the house. Yeah. Well, all those things are disrespectful to homes. And I think you, you notice how you practice when you go to someone else's home, And obviously the energy levels raise because they're with their friends. And so things get a little crazier than it would if it was just your own kids at their own house. But we don't want the level to be here at our house. And then we go to a friend's house and the energy level goes up another notch and then they're just destroying everything. So um, we aren't perfect in this, but it's definitely something we really work Towards. yes and
1: again looking to role models i think your family did a great job of this your brothers those guys are crazy i mean they are yeah. adventure ad- there are adrenaline seeking very capable guys that are you would call them rough guys right they are they are fighters they are adventurous but they have in- indoor manners yeah. um and it's the same thing even more recently in a younger family same thing speaking of bill rapier and the rapier family when they came over for dinner it's like these boys that I see on a weekly basis that are great grapplers, great fighters, out and about, just very energetic kids, come into our home. They sit with great manners at the table. They speak with inside voices. It was it was really inspirational. It was
0: really inspirational to us because yes. they had five boys, all different ages. Yes. Um, and our house was has never been like more mannerly when when friends are over, yes, and Elisha and I are like nudging each other like, okay, this is what we need to aim for yes. <laughs> with our pack of boys, yes,
1: exactly, that was really fun to see yeah, so I don't know did I answer that
0: question yeah, I think that was, that was good. good I think that was good <laughs> giving them ample I think we can't expect our boys to just sit there all day long, so we just have to give them ample opportunity to get their energy out in a healthy way and then let them know where. Like, what is not the place? What is not the time and place? But still give them the opportunity to get it out somewhere. Otherwise, it's just kind of painful for everybody. Yes. Right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Managing Katie in the kid's wardrobe. How does everyone look so nice, Katie?
0: That's the question. that makes me happy. (laughs) Um, So, something that Elisha and I both aligned on very early on was we wanted our family to look I say air quotes like put together, for lack of a better term, in public because we wanted to encourage uh, families. And it's just a fact that when people see well-dressed little kids out in public, they have positive association with the family. And they just think, wow, that's, your kids are so cute or like, that's so sweet. Or you'll see couples talking and be like, oh, you know, I think They become more open to having kids instead of, like, there are all these little zombies running around and and terrorizing the place. So I think it's just a part of being a blessing in public to present well. Uh, That said, we never wanted to have it be all about the clothes or materialistic stuff because what's the point in that, (laughs) you know, we, there's like this, this other side of the line where someone's looking at you and just noticing the name brand or Mm. the clothing or how much each child is wearing or, you know, and and that we don't, we didn't want to be the focus either. I feel like that takes the focus off glorifying God and being image bearers for his family and puts the focus on this material wardrobe. Yeah, So that's kind of like our, our aim when we're out in public. Um, we don't always hit the mark but that's kind of our goal and so for us what we found is really we have two oh i was joking about this and i wanted to answer this question because there are two um, outfits that the boys have they have two pairs of sweaters and those are their we go to church we go to people's houses we go to the coffee shop we go out to dinner we do everything in those two outfits so yes they always look put together in one of those outfits and uh, there's only two of them. (laughs) So we aren't spending a ton of money on this, you know, luxury wardrobe. And I will do a video on this in the future. I've been wanting to do it for a long time on how I do the kids' clothing rotation because basically um, when the new season comes in, I move what were the nice clothes for that season to their play clothes. And then I just buy them a couple new sets of nice clothes. So I'm really just replenishing the nice clothes. And then they wear the nice clothes out of season for play clothes. And that's kind of how we do it. So we have the two sweaters that are nice for fall and winter. And then we have two short sleeve shirts that are nice for fall and winter. They have two pairs of pants that are nice. And um, one pair of shoes. So our kids have two pairs of shoes all year round in the winter. They're nice little leather shoes and uh, rain boots. And then in the summer, they're tennis shoes and the little leather boots. So we keep it like really simple. And I feel like that really helps when you go to get dressed for something is, um, I'm not fighting a boy on why he wants to wear like Spider-Man tennis shoes and they don't go with the outfit or whatever, you know, it's like, um, it just eliminates decision for me, it eliminates discussion for them. And I know that, hey, when they put their shoes on, they always look cute in their shoes. Their shoes go with everything. And um, I don't know, I guess just simplifying things. Like they only have one jacket. They wear it all year round. It looks good with every outfit. It goes with everything that they wear. And so, I don't know, less is more, I would say, when it comes to dressing children well
1: yeah and i appreciate that you've made such an effort to make that happen because even though less is more less is also more work sometimes and it does require more intentionality to have you've you've bought quality but then you've also made an effort to not let to have this be a, a trigger for you not letting the laundry pile up so you're like man if they only have so many outfits then i'll run it through and it doesn't get backed up yeah you up. can't and, get backed up um and so it, it's it's simplified your life, but it, it took more effort up front, I would say.
0: Yeah. And um, then for Lucy, so we, we pretty much just buy her dresses at this stage of life. She's she loves wearing dresses. I'm totally fine if she wants to wear shorts or pants or whatever, but uh, she really likes her dresses. So that's nice. It's just a one item outfit. And then I feel like for Elisha and I, we buy clothes very rarely and we keep them for years and years and years and years oh. and years. Like when you find something that works, you just roll with it. And that's why people will ask, like, where did you get this? Or like when I was on Instagram, can you link your dress? And I'm like, it's five years old. Like it just works. And so I keep it around, yes. you know. And so finding those clothes you really, really like and then sticking with <clears throat> them is, I don't know, what we do.
1: Yes. Find <laughs> yeah.
0: classic clothes, like things that aren't trending. Um, trending patterns, trending cuts, things like that enable you to have fewer items, but always feel put together because you know, you look good in that, that thing. Right.
1: It's a good fallback. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
0: Okay. Um, do you have a number of kids that you want?
1: Oh, okay. So I've gone back and forth from, yeah, six or seven, you know, that's where I'm at. Six or seven. Really? Yeah.
0: So five isn't a number.
1: Like, I mean, well, here's the deal. We've got five kiddos now. You know, we're about, about to give birth to our fifth here. And I'm thrilled about that. But come on, you and I both know we want more than the five. Maybe, yeah. maybe this isn't a good time to ask you as you're <laughs> yeah, in your third I'm trimester
0: pregnant.
1: here. Uh, uh, I, I, for me right now, I would say I want six go for six, and if we end up with seven, then it's just a bonus.
0: Yeah, I think Elisha and I both knew we wanted more than four children. Like, if the Lord could give us more than four, we would really love that. And then I feel like from here on out, I mean, five is more than four, so I feel like from here on out, every baby's like a bonus.
1: Every baby in general is a bonus, really. It's undeserved It is, but I think in my
0: mentality, it's just like they're all bonuses from here on out. Got it. Yeah. Each one.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> They're all a gift. It's yeah, it, it, I mean, it does we'll, again. We to get this one out first. We've, Katie and I have talked about this with our very much, like with our human reasoning, you know, we've talked this through from like, okay, I was in a family of 10 kids. Katie was in a family of 11. Logistically speaking, what did this look like? What, what do we see our lives looking like? We hold so wholeheartedly that every child is a blessing and a gift from God. And like, the family is just, we've talked about recently, just like this most glorious institution. Uh, and then you go for numbers and you're like, well, that, that's, it's just going to look different for everybody, obviously. You know, the Bible doesn't tell every family to aim for five children. You know, It doesn't tell people to aim for three kids or whatever. It doesn't give us a number to go for. Um, and so I think it's a constant conversation for you and I. Which Mm -hmm. is probably how it should be, you know, walking in faith with that. Just being like, man, we we know for sure we want these five that he's blessed us with because he's given them to us and we are going to nurture them and care for them. And then after that, we are going to seek him and see see what happens.
0: So the thing is, is I'm 28. And so I think if we had like eight a fun surprise every 3 years for the next you know 15 years of <laughs> my fertility window we could still end up with a lot of children sure yeah <laughs> so we'll just see what the lord has in store <laughs> but okay that's good to know yeah and then it is a crazy thing because
1: yeah. you know as it's just nuts we you're 28 but you are not guaranteed we are not guaranteed any I know. I like, know instead But I'm, of years but I'm of...
0: content with the five, so I'm not worried about or or four even to be honest.
1: Well we we have five now, so it's like I know, but this be... one's
0: not Earth side yet. Like yes, you know like, what we're not, I mean. We're not like it we aren't around. in the yeah. home stretch yet. We still have to get this thing out. Yes. And there's still a lot that can happen between now and then.
1: Amen. Yeah. <laughs> no, we just need to yeah. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Yes, and lean not absolutely. On understanding. That's
0: right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. My turn. You, okay, yes. okay. 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 Relax. Know?
1: Relax. <laughs> um. Okay. Did you guys date other people before you met each other, and how did you know they were not the one?
0: Well, it doesn't end up working out, and that's how you know they're not the one. Yeah, exactly.
1: Because because <laughs> we didn't marry them.
0: Because we didn't marry them. Um. So, I don't think we dated other people before we met each other, but um, like I'd had different guys. I was eighteen when Elisha and I first started talking, so there had been like mutual interests, but the way that my family did relationships, the way we want to do this with our children is you don't you date to marry the whole point of dating is to figure out if you want to marry someone, so if you aren't prepared to get married, then there's no point in dating and starting a romantic relationship with no end in sight. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just seems like a really silly thing to do. Yeah. It or doesn't like make any sense. Enter into this yeah, romantic relationship with, with no expectation or like Yeah. intentionality of it, hopefully leading to marriage. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that said, um, I did not date anyone until Elisha. And even then, I don't know if you could call it dating. Nope. Um, I
1: say you call it courting.
0: Yeah, courting. So I didn't court anyone before Elisha. That was the first, like, you like me, I like you. We're pursuing this towards marriage. Yes. Uh, and what about you? I was your first relationship too, right? That's
1: right. Yep. And then and then that didn't go well. We did The whole first round of courting didn't go well. And then you did go date other people. Yeah, I dated
0: two other guys after that, like seriously, and then went out on random dates with other guys. Yeah. And Elisha dated the same girl and broke up with her often enough. You would think that he dated multiple girls.
1: Yeah, that was unfortunate. Yeah, I think it took, I think it was the fourth breakup that (laughs) finalized it. It's like, okay. Yeah. that's a, that's a brutal way to do it. That was, <laughs> that was a long year. It's like, how many breakups and restarts can you have in one year? Oh, man. Um, Did it once a quarter, the same gal, poor gal, i tell you what, but boy, am I glad yeah. that I had that final breakup. Cause then I <laughs> ended up with out. you. Yeah, <laughs> Worked out. Yeah. Then,
0: and um, everyone, or the people we dated are happily married too. So happy for them. Mm. But, um, I think that yeah, so then we, we did that for a year, dated other people, and then really came back with this appreciation of each other. Yes. And we're like, hey, let's make this work because I really like you this time. Yes. And <laughs> yeah, I exactly. don't wanna go back out there in the dating <laughs> yeah. pool if I could help it.
1: All of a sudden those so, little
0: I mean I mean with both the guys I dated, like how did I know that they weren't the one? The first one um, just was very dependent still on his parents. So he wasn't ready to get married. And I was, so there was just that like clear thing there. And then the second time, um, just like a non-negotiable came up at some point in the relationship and that ended it. Mm. So yeah. it was just kind of a clear yeah. uh, closed door, even though obviously it's super hard once you're emotionally connected with someone to recognize something as a non-negotiable over time it just became clear that it just wasn't going to work out yeah between makes us sense. yeah and then with you
1: i almost feel like it say? was provident i mean uh, everything's providential but it uh, it's hard to like point to what a thing that yeah. made
0: clearly it- he couldn't make up his mind so. yeah exactly <laughs>
1: like i i needed i i um yeah the whole thing again tons of, you you know i had no experience dating i had no so you're just figuring it out. And then all of a sudden it just wasn't, it wasn't going to work. You know, you're kind of like, well, it's just, is not going to work anymore. <laughs> and so yeah. it was, uh, it was terminated. <laughs>
0: it was terminated yeah, for good. That relationship
1: was, was terminated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't
0: know. I think when you know, when there's no, like when you have your non-negotiables and those match up, that's a huge blessing. And then you have chemistry or, you know, you have this attraction to one another and right. that matches up. Yeah. And then there comes this point where you go, I cannot picture you with anyone else mm-hmm. or living life without you. And so it's like, well, let's get married.
1: Yeah. I, I, we've you know? not talked about this. I don't think I, 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 maybe we have. I don't know. It's I think you can overthink things. and You can also underthink uh, things. Put that on a shirt, okay? <laughs> there you go. You can overthink things, and you can underthink things. Now, when it comes, when it comes to relationships, I, I do think you can overthink certain aspects of them, but obviously you can underthink it and you can let a infatua- infatuate, yeah, infatuate, infatuation, like the infatuation. whole love is blind thing. Yeah, clearly that that happens often. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I say the se- basically, I don't know what made me know that people were not the one. All I know is that the second time, it's like I had these things on paper that were non-negotiables for me and they were similar for you right we, mm-hmm. we aligned on those things i was physically attracted to you you were physically attracted to me and we we're like okay let's make this work and it wasn't like we just it was this smooth relationship there was tons of like trying to figure out how to converse with each other to get on the same page. We weren't good communicators for a long time. No. We were yeah. not good at conversations. Really we bad. we were not the couple that could just go and talk for hours and hours and hours.
0: We weren't like best friends.
1: No. Not at all.
0: I wasn't the first person he came to. Yes. Um, or vice versa. It's like he'd be like, ah, if I tell Katie that she'll probably get mad, so I'm gonna go tell someone else. Yes. You know, like it wasn't yeah. like we just had this bond that maybe Like, no one said, literally no one, oh, you guys are so much better together. Yes. Like, no one who knew us. They did not like us together. No one did (laughs) until after we got married. So all the, like, signs that people tell you or whatever aren't necessarily going to line up for your relationship. Yeah. You just have to know, like, at the end of the day, is this, like, from a woman's perspective, is this man seeking after God? and going to honor him with his life because that's huge if you're signing on for a lifetime of uh being a supporter and help me and you want this man to lead your family you have to know that he's like has this real relationship with the lord he's seeking after god and he's humble in that area i think it's really important that he's just humble in general and will take criticism too because he's not going to always be right you're not going to always be right and um Those are like really big things. And then like, do I want him to be the father of my children? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, I can like this guy so much and we can have such a fun time. But do I want him teaching my kids when it comes to uh, faith? Do I want him teaching my kids morals and values? Do I want him, you know, like think of those things, even if um, they aren't affecting your relationship now, because You don't even know how much they're going to impact your relationship till after you have kids, but it's still a good thing to at least think about it. Because you can overlook stuff with your relationship, you're both adults, but then is this the guy that you want shepherding your kids? Mm. Um, And at the end of the day, I felt 100% confident that Elisha was that guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of those things that you can see beforehand that are common issues within marriage. You know, first off, is Christ... His head. You know, you think of the of the hierarchy that we've been given in Scripture of Christ being head of the husband, husband being head of the the wife, and then the husband and fathers being over the children. It's like you can see when he's single if Jesus Christ is his Lord, like if he's yeah. if he's living in submission to Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ's lordship, um, and that's going to be a you know foretelling of how he's going to be in marriage. Is Christ the head over him? Is he submitted to that headship? Um, and you should be able to see that. And vice versa, on.
0: like obviously with women, because the thing is, is if you have that in common, then, and, and you both believe that the word of God is inerrant, then you have this source that's outside of you yeah. that you're both able to come to and look at and argue over when you see things differently. Um, but you have this like third party. Yes. that you do believe is always right yes and so you're able to argue things based on that basis if you don't have that foundation where the god's word is always right and you're both not submitted to it then it's just both people's opinion whose opinion's better whose opinion's worse i mean you'll get people to support you either way exactly so that's gonna lead to a lot of conflict down the road
1: yeah yeah i agree
0: yeah okay Okay. Okay, I have one more question. Okay, let's be we the last
1: going? one. How about this is the last one? How about that?
0: Okay. Um. I just thought that I should ask you this question because you like this statement. It takes a village. What does this mean to you in your child rearing, and what does it look like?
1: Was there a Bible passage with that? <laughs> No. I didn't think so. No. No. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm reading a book right now called It Takes a Village. Um, Or sorry, no, I'm reading a book now called It Doesn't Take a Village, Subtitle: Putting Parents Back in Charge of Their Home. Yeah, it's a secular um, book. It's a secular book. Anyways, I started having an issue with this statement probably like two or three years ago because I kept hearing it being used in kind of this um uh excuse almost where mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, oh, well, well, you know, it takes a village. Like... Clearly, I don't have what it takes in and of myself. It takes a village, and and I think it, a lot of times it's really uh, abdicating the responsibility that we've been given as parents, because your brothers and sisters in Christ are not going to give an account for your kids. You know, your parents aren't even going to give an account for your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think if your pastor, he's not going to give an account for your kids like you are. Um, and so taking that. Seriously, and being like, I'm, I'm the primary protector, provider, discipler of my children, and realizing I, in Christ, he's given me these kids, and I am going to to be this to the best of my abilities, knowing I'm going to fall short. We are going to have gaps in them. But looking to Christ in our, sufficiency his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And then when you take that total stewardship mentality, being like, okay, it's up to me to steward these these gifts, these blessings, then you can go out and find outside help and outside resources, but you're never abdicating responsibility. Like it's never,
0: you're always answering for the resources you're providing.
1: You're, you're, you don't ever give your responsibility over to the youth pastor or to the math tutor or to the outside help. It's the responsibility still falls on you. Um, and, and you go and you scrutinize who you're going to be going to for outside help, but it falls on you. So that's kind of how I feel about that general sentiment, I think. Um, because yeah, I I really do think it is a terrible thing that's happened in Western culture that we have out we think we can outsource aspects of our parenting and we simply can't. There is Or we
0: think like we aren't capable.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's another thing.
0: In Christ, like, we aren't capable, but in Christ, He has, like, we're the ones He has given the title of steward for our children. Yes. So He provides through that.
1: That's right. And it's good to go to His word, knowing that you, you, to, if you find yourself with three young children, and you're thinking, what do I do? That's a good spot to be in. And you fall on your knees and you go to God's word and say, Lord, equip me. You believe, First Peter, is that we've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Okay, well, I need to grow in my knowledge of him. And then you go to the Proverbs and you look at that practical wisdom and you start applying it to your home. You know, and you see what the wise man does. And you see what the foolish man does. And you see what the God-honoring son does. And you see what the, you know the way word woman does. And uh, you <laughs> you start applying those to your home in a spirit of humility. And you go and you do look for outside help to equip you because you know that you're the primary steward. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's not, yeah. it's not at all isolating yourself and saying, I got it. Nobody else tell me a thing. You've got to have humility, but you also need to realize this is nobody else's responsibility but yours.
0: Yes. So how does that look like in our home right now?
1: And another thing is too, is that that whole phrase, uh, it takes a village, Was popularized by secular people. Okay, this didn't, this wasn't popularized by the Christian community. If anything, it was popularized by very liberal, like you look at the history of that very liberal kind of, you know, communist, socialist type thinking that it takes a village, we all need to be in this together, we're going to bury one one another's burdens. The government
0: Um, can raise your kids better than you can. Exactly.
1: That's exactly right. And so now you have people trying to use evidence, whether it's Anecdotal or imperial or scientific evidence saying, "See, the government can do just as good of a job as creating healthy individuals as the family can," but that's missing the point altogether. It's like the government was never intended to to raise your children, and also the the point of the family isn't simply to just raise healthy individuals; it's to be a family. It's mm-hmm. to be a shining light, to be image bearers of our holy God when we are together. Um, and so, I do think that there is just this general um diminishing of our perspective on family. And we start looking at various functions that the family performs. And we think, well, if we can find an outside resource that exercises the same function, then may as well outsource it. Like look We're so
0: efficient in our culture. Yeah, we we think, well, man, if if our kids can get
1: the same SAT scores going here, then let's use that. And it's not taking my time if my kids can get this, you know, same type of Bible teaching from here. Let's go there, and I'm going to outsource it there. And you're missing the whole point. It's like, no, you need to be a family first and foremost, and you take on that stewardship role. And regardless of what the specific function is, you're trying to see, you're trying to exercise or find a way to outsource. It's got it comes back to you as being your responsibility.
0: Yeah. So in our home right now, I'm just going to kind of tie this in. Okay. We don't really have a lot of outsourcing that we're doing currently. Our kids are really, really little. Um, Elisha and I go out, we learn, we collect different resources, and then they affect how we parent. But we aren't really outsourcing anything at this current stage of life. We're kind of like distilling down the information and, uh, you know, feeding it kind of like a mommy bird to the baby bird. (laughs) We like do the digestion process as far as like we're sorting through it. And then we give them what we want them to have once it's been kind of like we've thought through um, different ideas or concepts or resources or things like that. This will change as our kids get older. Yes. And um, so right now everything's just done in-house. And one day I'm sure we'll be outsourcing a lot more.
1: Yes, exactly. And looking to outside resources. Um, But I think of
0: like right now, like music lessons, homeschooling, sports, like church, you know, all the big things. It's like we just do that right now. But we have, our kids are six and under.
1: But we go to church. We We, go to church as a
0: family, but it's like they don't go to their own church. So we're doing everything all together right now. Yes, and it's not like, oh, Leon's taking a woodworking class from so-and-so yeah. or the kids have a French tutor over here. Or, you know what I mean? Like yes. just different things that you could potentially outsource. We, um, I think that like the one thing we have, we have a babysitter come for two hours a week so we can do this.
1: So yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's kind of our, our help in this season.
1: Yep. Which is great. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm all about outside help.
0: Yeah. But I'm yeah. not
1: about distributing the responsibility yes yeah there you go well that's that then yeah
0: yeah that's that
1: great folks thank you all so much we love getting these questions there's actually a couple questions on here okay. that i think are worth um
0: do you want to just say real quick
1: well i don't want you to they, i think they're big we got a ton of questions regarding how should we engage in hospitality and service in the church or service to other people's while being in this season how of busy long has parents this had, been going? yeah
0: okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we should probably Cut it and then do another episode. I think so. Okay.
1: Yeah, a little
0: preview. Stay tuned. All right. Thank you
1: all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a thumbs up.
0: We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye.